everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Dayson Digest. This episode is being recorded on Monday, February 22, 2021. My name is Karen East, and I am the current PGY2 Infectious Diseases Resident at Duke University Hospital in Durham, North Carolina. In this episode of the Dayson Digest, we will be discussing a study that sought to validate a community-acquired pneumonia score to improve impaired antibiotic selection. The study was published January 20, 2021 in Antimicrobial Agents Chemotherapy by Dr. Meredith Oliver and colleagues. I'm also excited to announce that joining me today is the lead author of this article, Dr. Meredith Oliver, a pediatric infectious diseases clinical pharmacist at the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital in Minneapolis. Welcome, Meredith. Hey, Kara. Hey, team. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Last year, Meredith completed her PGY2 infectious diseases residency at Utah University Hospital in Salt Lake City. It was during her time here that she performed a case control validation study to assess the utility of the drug resistance in pneumonia score, also known as the DRIFT score. The DRIFT score was developed to predict the risk of pneumonia due to any drug-resistant pathogen. To calculate the DRIP score, it's split up into major risk factors and minor risk factors. The major risk factors are worth two points each and include antibiotic use within the prior 60 days, residents in a long-term care facility, tube feeding at admission, and prior infection with a drug-resistant pathogen within the past year. Each minor risk factor is worth one point and that includes hospitalization within the previous 60 days, chronic pulmonary disease, poor functional status, gastric acid suppression, wound care, and MRSA colonization within the past year. To calculate the DRIP score, you add up the total number of points with a maximum score of 14. But why all the focus on prediction scores? In 2005, the American Thoracic Society and Infectious Diseases Society of America guidelines introduced a new subset of community-acquired pneumonia called Healthcare-Associated Pneumonia, or HCAP. The purpose of creating HCAP criteria was to help identify patients at risk for infection caused by drug-resistant pathogens. It was recommended to treat patients who met HCAP criteria with extended-spectrum antibiotics. Following the publication of these guidelines, there was a large increase in broad-spectrum antimicrobial use in the setting of community-acquired pneumonia. When the CAP guidelines were updated in 2019, the HCAP score was removed and replaced with a new recommendation to use locally validated risk factors to identify patients at risk for community-acquired pneumonia caused by MRSA or Pseudomonas. So Meredith, can you describe why you were interested in validating a community-acquired pneumonia score? Yeah, Kara, that's a really good question. And um, I would say, you know, our, the institution where we perform this study really doesn't utilize broad spectrum antibiotic agents very often for patients with CAP. And so this question of, you know, locally validating and implementing a clinical prediction score to subsequently decrease antibiotic use, that really wasn't the inspiration for this study. A health system in the Mountain West develops the clinical uh, DRIP 
prediction score, which you greatly summarized that, you know, would predict a risk of pneumonia due to any drug resistant pathogen. And I'll first kind of define how this clinical prediction score works. Um, To put it into context, clinically, you know, if a patient scored greater than or equal to four based on uh, these different risk factors, then empiric anti-MRSA and anti-pseudomonal therapy was utilized. And then if, you know, the score was less than four, then, you know, broad-spectrum antimicrobial agents are not necessary for empiric cap therapy. And, you know, beta-lactam agent like ceftriaxone plus a macrolide is really adequate. And so the use of the strip score at a local institution was shown to decrease unnecessary extended spectrum antibiotics with no difference in length of therapy, mortality, or cost. So kind of coming back to our institution, given the awareness um, that we had of the DRIP score, this, this prediction score was being utilized by a lot of physicians as well as pharmacists to really an uncertain extent. Um, certainly wasn't a standardized part of our practice. So we were particularly interested in the performance of this specific pneumonia prediction score to determine if we should or shouldn't be using the score to select empiric antibiotics for cat patients. Um, And certainly prediction scores like these are very likely very, very helpful in decreasing antibiotic use when you compare them to the HCAP criteria. You know, our biggest concern was it may actually lead to increased use in anti-MRSA and anti-pseudomonal agents, particularly at our institution, given our active antimicrobial stewardship efforts. Um, So the kind of the question in the back of our minds was, can we identify a few risk factors that predict drug-resistant pneumonia better within our institution than other more tedious clinical prediction scores for pneumonia. And there's a variety of them out there. Um, and fortunately, you know, our answer did turn out to be yes, we, we can. Um, and another question we had in the back of our mind, too, from more of a clinical and practical standpoint, there, there are about, you know, 10 risk factors that make up this clinical prediction score and same for other clinical prediction scores out there. So many of these scores can be difficult to assess, you know, when a patient presents to the ED, for instance, you know, how would you assess if a patient received wound care within the last 30 days of admission, you know, which is one of the risk factors. Would you go searching for 10 minutes and care everywhere for wound care, nursing notes, and you're not really certain that your patient has or hasn't received wound care if you didn't find a note. So these types of clinical prediction scores can be pretty tedious and may actually not be helpful in the end when you think about the real world performance of these tools. That's a great point. And when you were deciding which score to validate, were there any other potential scores that you thought about including? We were particularly interested in the DRIP score just because of our physician and pharmacist familiarity with the score, but there's no rhyme or reason why you couldn't use other scores uh, to validate. Um, We cited a couple in our study. I know that there's the PARC, Shindo, Alibari, Shore, and Schreiber studies. Um, They also developed clinical CAP prediction scores that, that anybody could uh, go and locally validate. So you, you certainly don't need to validate the DRIP score, but there's there's so many out there um, that can certainly help to guide us when we're when we're performing these types of local validations. 
So when you conducted the study, what did your results ultimately show? Sure. So ultimately, I would say that they showed that prior infection uh, with a drug-resistant pathogen within one year prior to admission remained really the only clinically relevant predictor of drug-resistant pneumonia. Um, I do want to briefly call out a drug-resistant pathogen. The way that we defined it in our study can be any drug-resistant pathogen, not just MRSA or Pseudomonas. And we define drug-resistant pathogen as resistant to any of the CAP guideline recommended antimicrobials uh, like ceftriaxone plus a macrolide or fluoroquinolone monotherapy. So that's how we defined it, and that was certainly the the ultimate clinically and significantly relevant predictor. I will also note that antibiotic use within 60 days also turned out to be a significant predictor. However, it fell out of favor when we looked at where maximum uh, sensitivity and specificity fell out in our modified model. Uh, so that so. Long story short, a drug-resistant pathogen within one year prior to admission is uh, the only clinically relevant predictor that we found in our local validation. Thanks, Meredith. And were there any barriers your research group faced while conducting this study? You know, we we certainly could have had uh, from data collection standpoint, but I'm really grateful to say that we didn't have any barriers. Uh, the PI on this project, Tristan Tenbrook, He's very well-versed in pulling data from EPIC and performing statistical analysis in R, and I I was really grateful to have his support and guidance uh, on this project. But I would imagine uh, current barriers to a project like this would probably be IT support to pull all of your requested data points, especially in a COVID era. Um, I know I'm I'm having difficulty pulling certain data points currently for uh, for things that I need uh, now. as well as data analyst support, you know, we we provided some guidance in the statistical analysis section of our paper, hopefully to help, you know, people across the country who are also interested in performing local validation studies. And, and we provided this guidance on how we can select for significant predictors and then also ultimately derive a modified clinical prediction score. So having a data analyst or a PI that's familiar with R or any other data analytics software, I think will be most helpful in the success of of performing a local validation. And you included patients admitted with an ICD-10 pneumonia diagnosis code and further confirmed that diagnosis by manual chart review of microbiologic data, signs of infection, and imaging. So I'm sure that chart review took a lot of time and resources as well. Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, Kara, with that, um, it did it did take a lot of time on my on my end, but it was uh, it was well worth it for sure. Absolutely. What are some of the limitations to your study, and how did you address these? Sure. So you mentioned one of them, Kara, being ICD-10 codes. So those were utilized to drive our cohort. Um, which, you know, certainly has its limitations, but being able to further offset that limitation by confirming the pneumonia cases with those supporting clinical signs and symptoms, chest imaging, microbiological diagnosis uh, helped to offset that. Um, Also, this is a single center case control validation study. So the results 
certainly may not be generalizable to other institutions based on our patient demographics, as well as our resistance rates, which I will say are arguably lower compared to other parts of the country. Um, and so this is not, these are not data that you can take and apply to other institutions. And our study, I would also say, is, is solely a validation study. We did collect cases consecutively um, until at least 100 cases of pneumonia with a drug-resistant pathogen, and then 100 controls of pneumonia without a drug-resistant pathogen were achieved. Um, this threshold, I want to point out, of, of a minimum of 100 cases and 100 controls is suggested to define your external validation sample from epidemiology literature. So that's kind of where that 100 cases, 100 controls is coming from. And, and we would certainly advocate to, to use that as a, a minimum in terms of a sample size. Thank you, Meredith. That is great information. So what would you say is the take home from your study? Yeah, so I would say locally validated clinical predictors certainly can be a tremendously helpful stewardship tool. Uh, I think that this has the power to be really helpful, um, but it's just that it's a tool uh, that can be used to aid in overall clinical decision making and tools like this um, that carry a lot of weight should be coupled with other stewardship me measures such as Mersin nasal swab, PCR-based de-escalation, among others to really improve our antimicrobial use. Those are excellent points. Finally, Meredith, what advice would you give other institutions aiming to improve empiric antibiotic selection for CAP? Yeah, uh, I would leave you guys with probably three points. Um, the prevalence of CAP, certainly due to a drug-resistant pathogen, is likely really low. Um, one study found that it's less than 2% in patients who present with CAP, and then again, less than 6% of patients with, you know, previously defined HCAP. So if your institution is utilizing broad-spectrum anti-MRSA and anti-pseudomonal agents empirically for more than a very small minority of CAP patients, I think you, you certainly can do better. And performing a local validation of risk factors for drug-resistant pneumonia may be one of the best ways for you to help decrease your usage of these broad-spectrum agents. And other advice, local validation, local validation, local validation. You know, the results of this study may or may not apply to your institution. Um, and I think external validation studies like ours for these types of prediction models are really rarely performed, um, but certainly needed to address their generalizability and clinical applicability at, at various institutions. And so I certainly encourage stewardship programs to perform these validation studies, and these validation studies can be performed really for any of the clinical prediction models for drug-resistant pneumonia that are out there. Um, I know I mentioned these before, but you know the DRIP score being one of them, and then Park, Shindo, Alibari, Shore, Schreiber studies, um, whichever one you you choose to validate, uh, and you know you can utilize our study as a guide map on how to perform a local validation. You know I say it's paramount to define your data points um, that you want to collect very well prior to beginning the study, and I, I think it'll be smooth sailing from then. This was a uh, my uh, longitudinal research project as a as a PGUI two resident, so uh, certainly a great a 
great study um, that you can involve your residents in as a part of your residency program. Um, and I, I think it has the power to, to change to change practice and how we empirically prescribe antibiotics for CAP. Absolutely. Those are some great final points. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today. We were delighted to have you on and talk to you a little bit more about your recent publication, which I think has a lot of utility for other hospitals uh, who are seeking to decrease broad spectrum use in the setting of community acquired pneumonia. Yeah, Kara, thanks so much for having me. It's it's an honor to uh, to be here. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. 